0: Hello and welcome to the Road to the Garden podcast. I am Matt St. with Tommy Godin, and oh boy, Tommy, uh, Big East got chaotic in a hurry.
1: Yeah, chaotic is a great word for it. Um, This Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden coming up here in a couple months is going to be absolutely electric. Grab your tickets if you don't have them already. SeatGeek, use SeatGeek. To get the Mm -hmm. tickets, a little shameless plug there. But, yeah, this is the
0: most wide open the Big East has been in a while, and it's going to be a fun episode. No. Perfectly segueing us into that ad read, thank you, Tommy. Gotcha. Uh, just a reminder: we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun! Head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Yes, you can use that on the Big East tournament. If you're looking for tickets? Go do that now. It's, we got. Less than, less than two months here. It's, it's creeping up. It's going to be here before you know it, so jump on that. Also a reminder, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise in a partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more info. We kind of got two lead stories. Uh, last night in the Big East, Wednesday night, two ranked teams go on the road and lose That's UConn doing it at Seton Hall. Xavier does it at DePaul. Both of these were absolutely shocking. I was just sitting there. Uh, Seton Hall pulled off that comeback in the second half, which I couldn't believe. And then DePaul has been kind of on a a little bit of a roll here recently. DePaul's been playing good basketball for a couple weeks now, and we should be noticing that. And uh, Which one do you want to start with of these two? I'll
1: start with the one that I wasn't. The one I was more surprised with, I should say, the one I wasn't more high on, and that's Seton Hall. Now, I know that UConn is in a little bit of a rut, and anytime you play at the Rock, Prudential Center, it's going to be a tough game. But, I I mean, all year I've said, if our loyal listeners will know, I've I've said that Shaheen Holloway is a good coach. He's going to figure things out. It's just not going to be in year one. And Shaheen Holloway is just giving me the double bird on the (laughs) way down, taking UConn down – Um, What a win. I I did not think that Seton Hall was capable of this, at least this early. Um, Just shut me right up. So hats off to Seton Hall. That's a heck of a win.
0: Yeah. Well, let's look at it. So we go back a couple weeks. Seton Hall lost lost the game at Marquette. They blitzed St. John's, then went back out, lost the game at Creighton. At that point, they had fallen to 67 in Ken Palm. Their net ranking really was fine at that point. Uh, in in the 70s a couple of weeks ago. It was in the it got as low as ninety on January fourth when it comes to recent stuff here, the last couple of weeks. Now they got a winning streak. This is four wins in a row. Butler, Georgetown, DePaul. They escaped DePaul with a victory, which is we're gonna talk about later, is harder to do than you may think this season. They avoid Georgetown Roulette, they crushed Butler, and then you take you get the big win that you needed. You look at the resume for Seton Hall right now. It's three and four in quadrant one. And the only bad loss is, it's a bad one, It's to see Anna on a neutral floor. That's quadrant three. But we're in a position here where if Seton Hall keeps playing like this and is able to get a couple more quadrant one wins, they got a real chance at an at-large bid.
1: Yeah, three quad one wins. And a couple of them came in the non-conference, if I remember right. They were coming in the non-conference with, uh, they were top three or top four in the conference and in quad one wins coming into the conference schedule. I mean, yeah, I absolutely think Seton Hall has a shot for an at large bid, which is something I didn't think I'd be saying at this point, but Casey and defo. I mean, I want to, I want to give him his flowers right now. He played 28 minutes of incredibly efficient. He was six from eight from the field, uh, 14 points, eight rebounds. He is outstanding. And the most outstanding part doesn't show up in the box score, at least not the non-analytical box score. It's his defense. Um, that's what KC and Defoe does. And he showed why he is one of, I think, at least in consideration for the defensive player of the year.
0: Oh, absolutely. He was he was fantastic. He was a huge part of the fact they were able to pull off that comeback. I mean, I think that's that's one of the things that stands out to me here. UConn is a very good defensive team, and Seton Hall has struggled in the half court on offense, and it played out exactly like you would expect for the majority of oh, the first 30 minutes of this game. And then they were able to just make stuff work. Down 17 with three minutes left in the first half. Then they they beat UConn twenty three to thirteen there in the third quarter eighteen to thirteen in the fourth quarter to pull this off and yeah Casey and Defoe gets the final the final say there with the putback a real nice play from him heads up play and I liked the set that they got into they got an open look they missed it but you get quality looks you get bounces your way and you win ball games
1: yeah that was a James Breeding game so shout out Michael <laughs> DeRosa. I know you're listening that is his favorite referee. Um, but yeah, I think I saw something on Twitter that Seton Hall only led for six seconds of that entire game or eight seconds or something yep. like that.
0: Yeah. And that's all they needed. Yeah. With that's you know, you know who should be feeling very lucky that Casey and Defo got that rebound is Alamir Dawes, because they go up with I think it was a little over a minute left or a little under a minute left, and then Right before UConn calls a timeout, Alamir Dawes fouls, sends UConn to the line, and the Huskies go right back up. I had just not a heads-up play from from him. So, yeah, he got got absolutely bailed out there. Yeah, and you know Shaheen Holloway would let him know about that as well after the game. And I'm sure he's hearing about it anyway, even with the win. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to also mention Kaderi Richmond. 18 points for him, 8 of 10 from the free throw line. He had a double-double. He had 10 rebounds, all defensive. He's become the guy Seton Hall thought he would be this season. And even in even some of the losses, look at the loss to Providence at home in a close game. That's one where Kaderi Richmond was nearly unstoppable for most of it. The Friars had no answer for him. He's been He's turned up his game from what we saw in the non-conference. I think that's a huge reason why Seton Hall is now back. Uh, above 500 here in Big East play. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and this was all without Dan Hurley and Kamani Young for UConn, so I guess a little bit of it is to be, I don't want to say excused, but understood, I think, is a better word. I mean, they lost to Marquette, they lost to St. John's, now they lost to Seton Hall. Um, They beat Creighton, but they lost to Providence, so that's four of their last five, I think, that they lost, so. Um, it's definitely a skid that UConn's on. We know that they have the talent to be that team. I mean, two, three weeks ago, we were talking about who's going to come in second place in the Big East. And now that door has just been blown wide open. So um, I still think UConn can be that team. There are some things that aren't going their way right now. But, um, man, I talked about it in the open. But this Big East tournament, oh, my goodness, get your popcorn ready. It's going to be a good
0: one. And this is this is now three losses in a row for for Yukon. And some of the loss, like losing at Xavier, at Providence, at Marquette, I don't really care. It's you lose those games, and it doesn't impact much for me because those are good, good teams you're losing on the road in the Big East. That's fine. It's the last two for UConn that are very concerning. You lose at home to St. John's. That was the first road win for St. John's all season. But they did it at UConn. That's what you give up, and you go on the road here against Seton Hall, and it's kind of a this is a desperate moment for the team. You've been losing. You're without your head coach. I've They have COVID there, which I think illness is playing a bigger part in this season right now than we thought it would. But they're without their head coach. That's where you need your players to step up and show up, and they they just did not. It's the same story here, game in and game out for UConn. These last two games. That's 17 turnovers at Seton Hall and 20 against St. John's. It's ball handling. The guards are just not very good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like what you said there, that you just needed someone to step up. Going through the box score, I'm looking at it. Sanogo, 16, Hawkins, 13, Newton, 11, Carradine, 9, Jackson, 5. Like, you get it. it Jackson, 5. That's funny. I just. <But>. But, yeah, I I mean, everyone was perfectly mid this game, and that's just something you can't do when you're missing your play
0: caller. Exactly, exactly. And it's – yeah, Newton gave you four assists in this one with three turnovers. Andre Jackson gave you four assists with three turnovers. Adamo Sonogo had no assists in three turnovers. Caravan had two turnovers in there. Donovan Klingen also had three turnovers. So both of your centers go zero assists, three turnovers. You're not expecting them to get a lot of assists. But that's – I mean, they're getting hacked in the paint. They're they're not – they're losing the ball down there. And I was just rough. And I, I'll say it's – we came into – this year with Adama Snogo as the presumed Big East player of the year. I'm not even sure if he's in the top three now from what we've seen here in the last, last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's, he's, he's
1: flirting with three right now. I, I got Bryce <laughs> Hopkins and Suley Boom firmly ahead of him, but he, I, <laughs> you're right. he He's definitely on that line.
0: Yeah, and it's, I mean, you got Joel Soriano who has to be at least somewhat in the conversation with the stats he's put okay. up. and Double double machine. Yeah, it's with we're going to talk about the Providence Marquette game here in a minute, but with what Tyler Kolick did last night, I think he absolutely has to start being in this conversation and really like half of this Marquette lineup. It's the whole lineup is fantastic. That starting five is ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, he, and I, I don't know how much of it's Snowgo and how much of it's the guys around him, but there's. There's no space in this offense right now. People aren't hitting threes. Things are very difficult on the point guards. Nobody can create their own shot, and that means everything gets bogged down. And they're sending every other every team every opponent to the line way too much.
1: Yeah, definitely some big holes in this UConn team, and I, I know Hurley can fix them, but they got to stop the bleeding until then.
0: Yeah. Schedule coming up for UConn. They get Butler at home on Sunday. They boat raced Butler back in December, and that was at Hinkle. This should be a tune-up game for UConn. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that at the end of the show when we look forward. But they get Xavier next Wednesday. So there's not a lot of time to rest here. And that's a that's a home game. They already lost at Xavier. They can't afford to get swept in that. I mean, that's just, you can't have that. Um, if they get swept in that, this team is basically out of the first place race, Big East regular season championship race, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're talking about the that being a tune up game, it's the junior Husky Club Day game Ooh. free admission to select games, children eighth grade and under holiday yeah. gift, zamboni ride. I wish I was under eighth grade right now because I'd love that, but yeah, <laughs> in, in, in all seriousness, um. This is, I mean, you see DePaul on the schedule after Xavier, and you're like, all right, DePaul in Chicago, that shouldn't be a hard one. As Xavier, how that game went. I mean, th- there's no, I mean, Georgetown's an easy game, but there's no easy games coming up for them pretty much the
0: entire month of February. Well, well and let's not forget that Georgetown gave UConn a game at UConn earlier this season. Very let's true. not forget about that. Like we're playing, we're playing Georgetown Roulette right now in the Big East. I think they're going to win one of these, and nobody wants to be, nobody wants it to stop on them. Could and, you imagine
1: if it was UConn? The reaction
0: that Twitter would be, that Twitter. Oh, would amazing, oh amazing! It would it'd be fantastic. You mentioned DePaul in there. I think we need to talk about this DePaul Xavier yeah. game. Great segue. Yeah, and this is so DePaul got Caleb Murphy back for the first time this season. He transferred from USF. He's a very athletic guard. Uh, he's not a very good shooter but he's kind of, uh, to compare to another Big East player, I think there's there's similarities to like a Devin Carter in that he's athletic, he's bouncy, he's going to try to make plays, he's going to do a lot on defense, he's physical. It's not. I don't think he's a, as explosive an athlete as Devin Carter is, but he's in that same mold as a player, as a guy who's going to make more of an impact on defense than on offense. That's something this DePaul team badly needed with the way the defense has played this year, and they were able to hold, Xavier, arguably what the second best offense in the Big East to 70, what was it, 71, 72 points?
1: Yeah, which is crazy because I think Xavier's a top 10 offense in the country. So that's yeah, that's incredible. I I mean, shout out to Paul. They're making uh, I'm a Villanova guy, so they're making that loss that to DePaul. To maybe not seem too, too bad. Um, but yeah, I was higher on DePaul than. Most, I know you were pretty high on them as well. You had them as high as eighth in one of your power rankings, which I Mm love. This is the DePaul team that I wanted to see after I gave my New Year's resolution, stay healthy for Stubbs. I think Tony Stubblefield is a fantastic coach. Um, And, you I mean, stay healthy for Stubbs is just exactly what that was. You get Caleb Murphy back. He plays 23 minutes in, in his Blue Demon debut, contributes eight points. I mean if they don't get those 8 points from Caleb Murphy, I don't know where they're getting those 8 points from and yeah. I don't know the outcome of this game. So it's just little things like that that are the tipping point of winning and losing games in this conference.
0: Yep, exactly. And Emoji Gibson, he had 22 points. He was electric. I mean this guy, he's just he's such a good three-point shooter. I was looking back at some of my some of my notes from the offseason. Um Emoja Gibson made more three-pointers than any other player transferring into the Big East last season. He had 92 last year. Uh, he had the third-highest three-point shooting percentage of anybody coming into the Big East, only behind Baylor Shireman and Francisco Farabello, which that one has not panned out. Uh, this, guy, this guy's a shooter. He's good at it. And uh, it was a night where Xavier couldn't shoot the ball. Emoja Gibson could. That was huge for them. The game-high 22 points. Javon uh, Javen Johnson is also he he just he gets tough buckets. Errol Penn, he had uh he was one point shy of a double double there. But I want to talk about Deshaun Nelson. Yeah. Because he he has quickly become probably the most fun player to watch on this whole DePaul team. He just he breaks rims, he plays with such tenacity. Uh, this whole DePaul team has suddenly become very, very enjoyable to watch. Yeah, this DePaul team is awesome.
1: I, I love it. I love their fan base on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I love everything about DePaul. I got a little trivia for you here, Matt. Okay. It was three years to the day that DePaul beat a top ten opponent. Who was it? Was it Butler? It was Butler, number five <laughs> Butler. Wow. See, this is why we have Matt at head of content at Road the Guard. He just knows this stuff. He's not even looking at anything, just right off the top of his head. But yeah, I mean, I, I, know I... That
0: for, I know that for the wrong reasons, Tommy, because <laughs> I was doing my, my uniform charting that I do. And oh, I had no. somebody ask me about the, if DePaul was going to wear black uniforms at home. And they said, "Well, oh, the last time they did it was when they beat Butler in that game. So I was just looking at that game the other day. <laughs> That's amazing. I <laughs> thought you were going to get me.
1: I did. I did. I have, I've yet to get you. You're good. But if I told that you was- before this game that uh, Fremantle would get 18 and 12 and Nunji would get six and 16 and 13 rather. I mean, you, we all would have had the same agreement that Xavier probably would have won and probably would have won comfortably. But yeah, Deshaun Nelson is outstanding. I mean, he gave Eric Dixon all that he could ask for one of the better bigs in the big East um, when they played last week. And I mean, I don't think we can overstate the job that Stubblefield's doing right now.
0: No. And this is, I mean, the whole season is not going to look great for DePaul. This team's not making the tournament without a run at the Garden like that. That's where they are. But they also had to play for, what, a month there, month and a half, without a center. That's, that's where things got for this team. They had to make things work in other ways, and they just don't have the talent or the depth to make that happen. You're down two centers and Caleb Murphy, that's tough. Now Dornay is back. He's been playing better. He's, he's been giving him good minutes. Deshaun Nelson has figured out his role in this team. Caleb Murphy's starting to get eased in. Hopefully we'll see Nick on back at some point. We don't really know the exact status of him. Um, but all of a sudden, DePaul becomes a team that you just, you you can't have a bad night against. And Xavier had a bad night here. Uh, you look at the end of this game. Xavier had a chance to go ahead. They got two two chances for a tip in could not make either one. It was just brutal. I, and this is, Paul got the win. I'm not even sure if DePaul was the better team, but Xavier could not buy a bounce at all no. last night.
1: No. And DePaul, one of the things I picked up from when Villanova played DePaul is they're an outstanding free throw shooting team. For as good as Villanova is, DePaul's right up there with them. Uh, top 12 in the country. They're number 12, obviously, but... I mean, yeah, I'm I'm looking through their their Ken Palm page right now. Ken Palm only has them winning two games for the rest of the season, Georgetown and Butler at home. I'm going to take the over on that. I mean, they have a lot of games, tough games coming up. But, I mean, we saw that they can hang with these teams. And free throw shooting at the end of games is what wins and loses those tight races. And and I, I really like this DePaul team.
0: And the only times that they've lost at home this year were to Texas A&M top 50 Ken Palm team to Providence a top 50 Ken Palm team into Seton Hall now just barely a top 50 Ken Palm team. So look at but they still got to play St. John's at home. They still get Butler at home. They still get Georgetown uh, on the road there like you mentioned there. Let's see what they do against some of these other teams. They may have another upset or two in the bag and Again, especially as this team comes together down the stretch, I think they'll play better. How much better? I'm not sure, but there's talent there. Uh, The flip side of this, this this was Xavier's first Big East loss here. How concerned should Musketeer fans be right now that they just lost at DePaul? Not concerned at all. Actually, I actually think that there might
1: be a silver lining here in a loss. I mean, if Xavier goes undefeated, which was never going to happen, first of all, but if Xavier goes undefeated, then then they don't face that adversity. I think a little adversity is going to be good for this team. I mean, it, it's bringing football into it here, but that's what the Eagles needed when they lost to the commanders. They were undefeated, like 13-0, something like that. But losing before you play a, a tough stretch of games is great for the brand um, great for the chemistry facing adversity is good it, it it's going to build this team they're going to learn a lot more from a loss than they would have if they went down to DePaul and won by 30 so yeah. I, I don't my panic level is at
0: like a 1 for Xavier yeah. right now i'm fully agreed you'd want them to make some of those winning plays at the end of the game but you play close games sometimes the bounces just don't go your way it's concerning that they played down to DePaul a little bit but yeah it's just it's felt like it was DePaul's night and sometimes that's what matters. it's college basketball like these teams these are all good teams. everybody's capable of beating anybody especially with the way Depaul has looked this season they can they can beat any team in the big east if that team has a bad night. there's no there's no sleepwalking here. and I think they took advantage of it. so we'll see how Xavier bounces back here um, the Xavier schedule uh, they get Georgetown at home. But then they their next three are at UConn, at Creighton, and then versus Providence. So they gotta they gotta bounce back in a hurry here. But I don't think there's a whole lot that Xavier has to do to change.
1: No, nope. I completely agree. Um, if I like, I'd go as far to say if I pick right now who I would take to cut down the nets in the big East tournament, I would think I'd pick Xavier. I mean, their defense I think is what is their biggest question mark right now, but what Sule boom has done for this team, um, the emergence or I guess re-emergence of Zach Fremantle and the steadiness you get with that anchor in the post and beyond the arc really with Jack Nunji. Um, I, I love this Xavier team. I love Sean Miller. Um, I'm not concerned that much.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel. Talking about teams that could cut down the nets for the Big East tournament. Two others played last night who could very well be in that contention. And that's Providence and Marquette. And Marquette ended up taking this one. Uh, Golden Eagles built up a 14-point lead in the second half. They looked really good for most of it. Friars battled back, cut the deficit late, actually got it down to five in the final minutes. And then Devin Carter turns it over. Cam Jones gets the steal, goes down the other end, gets a shot, and uh, that was basically the ball game right there. That, that turned it around with, I think, under two minutes left, under three minutes left. So, uh, Friars unable to pull off the comeback. Marquette now. Marquette's only losses in Big East play were in double overtime at Providence and at Xavier in a close one. If there's a team right now that has... If, if the team isn't Xavier, it has a chance to, to kind of claim that number one spot in the Big East at the moment. I think Marquette Probably has the best odds.
1: Wow, that was not a sentence I was expecting to hear <laughs> in 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 January. But I mean, I think I like have to agree with you a little bit there. I mean, Marquette's thirteenth and Ken Palm right now they're they're absolutely um, worthy of kind of. You were talking about how the stars were out in this game, and um, there was four. Marquette players in double figures. Cam Jones had 21. Tyler Kolick was two rebounds and four assists away, which four assists sounds like a lot. Not for Tyler Kolick. He's one of the best passers in the country, if not the best passer in the country. Um, This Marquette team is solid from top to bottom. They have great point guard play. They have role players. Stevie Mitchell coming off the bench, giving excellent defense. Um, Oso Iguodara. I, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, this Marquette team is, is, is built for that. And yeah, it's definitely another team that can contend for the regular season and big East tournament championship.
0: Yeah. And Tyler Kolek has a guy too, who, I mean, he is, he has found his scoring touch in some of these big games. He's been a pass first guard for a while now. Uh, he had 19 points last night against Providence. He had 25 at Xavier in the loss over the weekend. He had 29 at Providence when they, they met back in December. So, He's got, especially against the Friars, apparently, he's got a scoring touch. He's been able to to get points on him. And uh, one of the things that stands out to me about Marquette, his team is number one in the country in two-point field goal percentage. Hmm. And that's, like, Osa Gadaro is not a guy who's going to be on, like, your center of the year list, not right now. Maybe next year, maybe by the end of the season, we'll see what happens. but they're they're not doing that because there's dominant post play. They're doing that because their offensive sets are that good. These guys are so hard to defend, both on and off the dribble. Like it's every everybody is so hard to defend on this team that that lineup is so tough. And when you then you defend everybody and cam Jones somehow gets open looks in the corner for three and he's nailing them, and there's nothing you can do. they they just they take advantage of the space so well on offense.
1: Yeah, that's huge for a Shaka Smart coach team. I mean, he he has that kind of patented Havoc play style on defense, the fast, the switches, the press, everything that goes into that. They're the second-ranked offense just in general in, in the country. Their defense is ranked 90th in defensive mm-hmm. efficiency. I'm a little surprised by that, to be honest with you, and I don't think it's going to stay at 90. Um, this is Shaka Smart's proven he – he knows what he's doing (laughs) for lack of a better term on the defensive end of the floor. The offense is surprising me. A lot of surprising, a lot of people, Um, but maybe it shouldn't when you see all the talent that they have.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's not like the on talent, the paper is not on paper. (laughs) The talent is not like anything crazy. Like on paper, you could argue Villanova has more talent, but it's the way that they're using these guys and the way they've developed them. That, that year one to year two leap in a Smart System is something he talked about back in media day, and you can see it all over this roster. Most of these guys were role players at best last year, and you can make an argument that all five starters should be on the All-Big East first or second team with the way that they've played this season. It's it's remarkable the, the leap that they've taken. There, it's I don't, I don't like the defensive stats aren't necessarily there, I think. It, part of that is a stylistic thing. Yeah. But uh, last night against Providence, the defense locked them down for most of the game, really, until the last quarter or so. And uh, parts of the first the first 10 minutes of that game, too, were the Friars did what they wanted to do. That defense is so, so, so impressive.
1: Yeah, and on the flip side, sp- we can't talk tonight, can we?
0: No, it's, it's not our night.
1: Not our mm-hmm. night. Good grief, but yeah, on the flip side, talking about impressive Bryce Hopkins, another impressive night, 19 points, 10 rebounds, double, double, um, and Ed Croswell, 21 points. I, I mean, yeah. talk about talent on a roster. Those, those two are about as stout as you can get on the front court.
0: Yeah, it's Croswell has quietly become one of the the better centers in the Big East here with what he has done this season. It's inc- it's He's had a remarkable improvement. The Friars also need it because back up at center right now, Clifton Moore has been borderline unplayable at times here in the Big East. Uh, a lot of a lot of the, the success Marquette had on offense was those targeting him in switches. Both Croswell and Moore, but Moore in particular, had some real issues with switching on some of these Marquette guys. And Croswell has stepped up. Uh, I will note from the Providence Siders, so this is back-to-back losses for the Friars at Creighton. And then at Marquette, they've been without Jared Bynum for the stretch, who has, I believe, an abdominal injury. He's listed as day-to-day. In the Ed Cooley world, that could mean anything from he's going to play the next game to he's out for the rest of the season. You just don't know with, with college basketball injury reporting. We'll see him when, when we see him. Bryce Hopkins played through an ankle injury in this game and still put up the numbers that you mentioned, Tommy. He was really, the for large stretches, the only guy in offense who could do anything. Um. And then, like, basically the entire backcourt has been sick. You look going into the, the game against, I think it was St. John's or Creighton. Uh, the Creighton game last week or over the weekend. They had a couple guards who couldn't practice at all and were game time decisions. Alan Breed could not practice at all coming into last night's game. Jaden Pierre was still getting over stuff, So it's always hard to go against a team that can play as up-tempo and can put as much stress on you as Marquette does when you can't even get on the floor to practice and and – get ready for some of these looks.
1: <laughs> I misheard you there for a second when you said
0: a lot of people were, I thought you meant like they're sick, like, they're <laughs> like ill. <laughs> yeah, no, this, that's why I mentioned this in the Yukon segment. This, this whole Friar team has been dealing with illness. There were rumors that it's COVID. I can't confirm that or anything, but uh, yeah, they've the whole guard room is not in a great spot when it comes to health right now. Hopefully for the Friars that will change. Going forward, they got back-to-back games against DePaul and Butler coming up, both at home. So that should give them a little bit of wiggle room here to play with and nurse some of these guys back to health. But this offense needs Jared Bynum to work.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the rest of their schedule right now. They got three very winnable games against DePaul, Butler, and Villanova coming up. I mean, three of their Can four. Can you say right? that last one again? I no, I will you not. It. No, no, no. <laughs> Nope. Um And then they have Xavier, which is always a tough one, especially on the road in Centa Center. Then they have Georgetown. So, I mean, that's one, two, three, four. That's four out of five games that, that they could really go streaking on, get their guards healthy, um, get them gelling a little bit before that they meet St. John's on the road on February 11th who if, if you don't have strong backcourt
0: play, St. John's is not the team you want to see. And St. John's already played the Friars close. It was a three-point game at the Amp. They met last weekend, a week and a half ago here. So, yeah, that's one. The Friars got to be healthy for that one. We'll see what happens. I'm not worried about this team yet. I think the Friars are absolutely still in the top tier of the Big East, which I would segment out as it's Marquette, Xavier, and Providence in the top tier, then UConn and Creighton about a half tier below that. Then Seton Hall, and then probably the rest of it. We're starting to get a little bit more separation now than we than we had at this point two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, and, and out of the the bottom tier, looking up, I think DePaul is closer to the Seton Hall purgatory than Villanova is right
0: now. Yeah, that's. I just wanted to pull this out because this is. I, I can't believe we're at this point. DePaul is one and three in quad one. Villanova is zero oh and five. DePaul has no losses in quadrants three or four. Villanova has three quad three losses at the moment. Both of these teams are nine and ten on the season. Both of them have the same Big East record here. I believe they are three and five. Yeah, and DePaul has the head-to-head win over Villanova right now. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's just that. That's There's not a whole right lot to say. Yeah. No. The, the, the end of the Jay Wright era is here in a hurry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean and the Tony Stubblefield
0: at... era has only just begun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jay Wright walks, so Tony Stubblefield could could fly at could this run. point. But <laughs> but yeah, I I'm looking at Villanova's schedule, they got at least nine or ten quad one wins left, and they gotta get a couple of those, but Um, back to, back to Providence here for a sec. And I'm looking at the box score for the Marquette game and the scoring was very top heavy. You had Devin Carter, Bryce Hopkins and Ed Croswell, 18, 19, 20 points. And then it dropped off to nine with Alan Breed. I think that they were really missing, um, Jared Bynum in this game who seems to be figuring it out a little bit in a first team all conference in the preseason. Obviously, wasn't the start he expected to have to this season, but the pieces were fall, the shots were falling, the pieces are coming together. Um, I they they really missed him in this game, and they don't see each other. Providence and Marquette, they're done playing each other this year, at least in the regular season. But I I would have liked it, yeah, I would have liked to see um Jared Bynum uh, in this one.
0: Yeah, he was a different speaker. Noah Locke, who was the, the veteran who's supposed to step up for him there, he only had five points. He was one of four inside the arc, one of seven from deep. And let me tell you, that was at least five or six of those seven shots were wide open threes that he missed. He airballed one in there, and he's, he's nearly a career 40% shooter from deep. He's one of the better shooters out there. He is not, that was not his night last night for Noah Locke. So, rough night there for the Friars. Honestly, it's, between Marquette and Providence, what I've learned is both of these teams are really good. They split the series. Both games were close. One game was closer than the other. And the one that was the bigger disparity involved the starter being out. So what I'm seeing is these teams are roughly about even when they play one another at full strength. and uh, Maybe a slight edge to Marquette there, but they're in the same tier. They're about as good. And I hope we get a neutral site meeting between the two of them. Let me tell you, a Big East championship between Providence and Marquette would be electric.
1: It would. There's five or 10 matchups in the Big East Champion. I mean, it is wide open right now. Yeah. Wide open. I mean, any team, like DePaul, the, bear with me here. DePaul yeah. could do what Georgetown did in 2021 as a nine seed. How crazy is that to say right now? Damn. Marquette might be the one seed going into it, picked as the nine seed in the preseason. Like this year has been insane. And of course you never
0: want to count Villanova out either. They're like teams no. like that. Um if Justin Moore does come back to play this season, then and Villanova gets healthy for the tournament, they're at, they can be as good as just about anybody any team in there if Moore is the guy he's been. Exactly. There's 10 teams that could win the Big East tournament that this year and mm-hmm. and one great. that should be firing
1: their coach any day now. Yeah, they should be really, they shouldn't even be invited to the Big East tournament this year. <laughs> They used, they used uh, to do that. They used, they used to cut it be. off. Yeah, yeah.
0: Must be. There's no. Uh, there's no. You must be this tall to ride sign for the biggest <laughs> tournament anymore.
1: You must have one win in the last two years <laughs> to attend.
0: They they should implement that. If you don't get a conference win, you don't get invited to the tournament, regardless of anything. That would get, that would be really funny. Get Val on the horn. The Val. Val <laughs> and the refs. I just want to mention, there have been some really odd technical fouls I've seen here in the Big East lately. Fryers actually got the technical technical and back-to-back games here. Ed Cooley got one at Creighton. Bryce Hopkins got one last night at Marquette, which Cooley was talking after the game. And he said, all, as far as he's aware from what Hopkins told him, and you can see it on the video too, all Bryce Hopkins said to the ref was, come on. Ball went out of bounds. He thought it went out of bounds off of Marquette. He clapped, said "Come on," and got a technical for it. I don't know. Yeah, it's and there's been. This isn't the Providence specific thing. This has been all over the Big East this year. So Big East refs are out there, baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What happened in the um, in the scene hall? I was looking at that box score earlier when we were talking about that segment, and it said technical fouls, and it said team. A team technical foul. How did that happen? I
0: believe that's when it's on the coach. I think that, that one was on Shaheen oh. Holloway.
1: Okay, that makes sense. I didn't know if it was like a bench violation or one of those like wonky rules like that.
0: No, that, that one was on Shaheen as far as I'm aware. So That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, he's a heated coach too. So it, it happens. Technical fouls oh, happen. Yeah. Technical fouls should not happen for saying, come on to the official. If that's the standard, then I think every Big East player is going to get a technical the rest of the way. Yeah, probably some ejections, too. That That's, that's a baby Ted <laughs> Soft. That's terrible. Yeah. Obviously, this is the coach saying it, so it's not an unbiased perspective. Bryce Hopkins may have said quite a bit more there that was not picked up, but uh, you never know. You never know. Yeah. All right. Should we look ahead here?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Rapid yeah. fire yeah. almost. All
0: right. All right. And uh, just a, a note for the listeners, I think we're going to change up our schedule a little bit, and we're going to go Monday, Thursday with the shows instead of Sunday, Wednesday, because the – Sunday, Sunday Wednesday is rough for us right now. Monday, <laughs> Thursday gives us a little bit more time to, to work things out and to space things out. So we're going to be previewing the games through Sunday. Uh, and there's and There are no games next Monday. There are no games next Thursday. So this is perfect for us. We want to start with the Friday night game. Yeah, Matt, you will be there, right? I will be. That's my plan. Villanova at St. John's at MSG. St. John's at the Garden once again. These two teams played close last time. St. John's blowing a lead. These two teams played close the last time they were at the Garden with St. John's blowing a lead. I I, Neither of these teams feels like it's playing particularly great basketball at the moment, although St. John's just did get that win up at UConn. Um feels like I don't know what to expect. I think it's going to be entertaining, but sloppy.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I was just talking with the guys of Villanova literally right before I came on the podcast and one thing Eric Dixon said. Somebody asked him about you know St. John's coming off this win against UConn and how much is that going to fire them up? Their confidence has to be through the roof, right? And Eric Dixon said, not really. I mean St. John's is always a confident group. Uh, I mean they expected to beat UConn. They're expecting to beat Villanova. Um, I, I think this game is yeah. I, I think sloppy is a is a good word to put it. It wasn't sloppy the last time um, Villanova and St. John's met up. I think Villanova only had 10 turnovers in that game. Eric Dixon played 31 minutes. He had zero turnovers in that game. I just looked that up like an hour ago. I, it's the only reason I have the stat off the top of my head. But <clears throat> yeah. Um, the last time that they met at the Fennerin Pavilion, St. John's took an early lead and Villanova kind of just turned a switch on. And that was it from there. They had, they, made St. John's play their game and St. John's is not going to win a game where they have to be methodical on offense. They are uh, very much so a run and gun team, probably the most run and gun team in the country. If I had to look it up right now, it would probably back up my, my assertion, but yeah, I sl- sloppy. Maybe a good word for this one. It's going to be entertaining for sure. There, there's going to be some fireworks in this one.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Soriano uh, had a rough outing. Last time these two teams met, Eric Dixon got the best of them. I want to see if he can return the favor here because Soriano was in this Big East player of the year race, just statistically with the numbers he's putting up. But you got to, this is one of those games where you got to show it. You got to dominate against Dixon here. Excited to see Cam Whitmore in person for the first time. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'd I'd be just excited to see what happens in this game. I'm going to pick St. John's because the Red Storm are at home right now and I think they're playing slightly better basketball, but there's no outcome that would surprise me.
1: I'm in the same boat. I'm also going to take St. John's and um, yeah, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. There's no outcome that would surprise
0: me. Yeah. Uh, we're going to jump ahead. Then that that's 7. PM Eastern on FS one Friday night. Let's go to Saturday afternoon here. It's Back to back to back games here. First two on FS one, both of these feature teams we have in that top tier in the conference Going against some teams at the bottom right now. The noon game on FS1. Xavier hosts Georgetown. They're playing Georgetown roulette. Does the gun go off or does Xavier bounce back?
1: Oh, Xavier bounces back for sure. Xavier's offense against Georgetown's defense. Yeah, g- g- give me Xavier by by tens of points.
0: <laughs> I What I thought, when these two teams played the last time, it was closer than, than I think you would have expected. Xavier ended up winning at Georgetown by 13 points, scored 102, but they <laughs> gave up 89 to Georgetown. It is a Georgetown team that seems to enjoy playing on the road more than playing at home anyway, with the lack of crowds that they get. I've kind of picked up on that. I think Georgetown can absolutely make this interesting. Xavier has played some games that are closer than they should be. They did against Seton Hall at home. They did against St. John's on the road. I think this is closer than people. I think I think Xavier wins and ends up covering, but it, it's a cover that happens later than people think.
1: Yeah, I mean, Georgetown has some bucket getters for sure. I mean, Primo Spears is the best player I've ever seen in terms of getting to the mid-range and pulling up. It doesn't matter who he pulls up on. That shot's going in. <clears throat> he's outstanding uh, in that little mid-range pull-up game. And Brandon Murray, he's another bucket getter. I mean, Georgetown's offense is good. That's not their problem. It's it's the defense, and and DePaul kind of kicked the hornet's nest a little bit. Now Georgetown's going to get a pissed-off Xavier at home. Uh, I'm going to take them by, like, 15 to 20 points.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. The next game, 2 o'clock on FS1, Providence hosts DePaul. Does DePaul's magic continue away from home here? They get the three-game homestand where they picked up two wins. Are they able to go on the road and keep it going or the Friars protect the amp?
1: I don't know. Now is you said Bynum was day to day, right? Which is coach's talk for. I'm not telling you. Stop asking that question. Um, Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, Providence that's two losses in a row, not two bad losses, but two in a row. I think DePaul might smell blood in the water. They're kind of, they're coming in against the win against Aver. They, That was a win that to the program they say, okay, we can do this. We can compete with the top teams in the conference. They're going into what's it's a Saturday at the AMP. You know, the tall boys are going to be flowing. I do think Providence pulls this one out, but I I think people are going to expect it to be close and I think it will be close.
0: Yeah, I, I think it'll be. I don't know. Friars already blew out DePaul this year and that was on the road. This is a better DePaul team. I think they figured things out in the last couple of weeks, I still don't think it's close. I think the Friars bounce back here in a big way. And this might end up being a 20 point game. Well, we'll see. It's a, the game. The Friars certainly can't lose after the last two.
1: Yeah. But
0: yeah. I, I could, I could definitely see that. Yeah. And then we have what I think is, is very suddenly the most interesting game of the weekend here. The, the late afternoon slot on CBS sports 4 PM Eastern Marquette at Seton hall. It's a Marquette team that has ranked and has been dominant at home. Uh, this is a number two offense in the country right now in efficiency against a Seton Hall team that has really tried to win here with defense. Two very different styles and how they play. Two teams that are very deep. I, I'm just I'm excited to see how this one plays out.
1: Yeah, I, I, and again, this is a game that earlier in the year I didn't think was going to be one that circled on my calendar but this is going to be a great segue into my little Eagles pregame tailgate festivities on on Saturday afternoon um excuse me good lord Um, (laughs) yeah I I mean we we saw it we we saw a ranked team come into the rock and and struggle against this Seton Hall team I think that we're gonna see it again and Marquette loves playing at home they're a little shaky on the road I Am I about to am I a psycho? Am I about to pick Seton Hall over Marquette? I think I am. I think
0: I am. Seton Hall's playing good basketball. I'm gonna stick with Marquette here as my pick, just because I think they're that good. Um and I think I think it'll be close. I think some of the matchup issues will cause some 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 issues for Marquette that they, they haven't faced against some other opponents, but I think they'll find ways to weather the storm. And if this game is close, I like Shaheen Holloway. It's year one for him. Shaka Smart's very experienced. I have more confidence in Marquette being able to pull something out if this is this ends up being a close one, even though the Pirates are at home.
1: Yeah, I'm just tired of going chalk and and picking yeah. the <laughs> and picking the favored teams. I, I think if there was an upset in any of these games that we're previewing, it would be in this game. Um yeah. so but let's get a little freaky. Let's pick Seton Hall on a Saturday.
0: I like that pick. It wouldn't in the rest of these games we're talking about are there's a lot of a lot of not great. That includes the Sunday, too. Yeah, One game on Sunday. It's the national game on Fox. It's noon. It's Butler at UConn. This game was not close when they played the first time, even though I thought Butler actually played pretty well. And I see no reason to see. It's, it's not going to be any different, right? No. No. I And for as much as UConn's
1: struggling, um, Butler will – I, I don't know the status on Manny Bates, but if he doesn't play, UConn has Klingon and Sinogo, which would already yeah. be a tough matchup for Manny Bates. It already was a tough matchup for Manny Bates. And and w- without him, it's I, I don't see this one being close.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree there. That's going to be our picks for the weekend. So we should be back Monday night. That's our plan.
1: Yeah, then we got the Psychos game of the week on Tuesday.
0: What's that? Oh baby, DePaul yeah. at Georgetown. We'll have a nice preview for that one next week. So the rest of the schedule, uh, we got Xavier at UConn Wednesday night too. So and Xavier at Creighton. Well, yeah, we got some we got some good games next week. So be yeah, week. we'll be back we'll be back Monday night to preview some of that stuff. That's gonna wrap it up for tonight's show. Thanks everybody for listening. Subscribe on YouTube if you like to see our pretty faces while we talk. Follow along on Twitter at Road to the Garden. That's the number two. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this and Spotify to stick with us. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for watching and or listening. We'll see you on Monday.